0: Good morning, my church. How are we doing? That is awesome. Thank you guys for being here. My name is Richard. I'm part of the leadership team here at my church. And for the past several weeks, we have been in a teaching series called Made for Mission. We're learning how each of us is part of the mission that God has planned for our church uh, to reach our community and the world. And so it's been a cool series. Today, I'm going to be leading a little conversation, posing the question, what is my message? Let's say that together. What is my message? You guys are much better than the 930 crowd. You guys were very enthusiastic and I like that. I dig that about you. So uh, here we are talking about posing the question, what is my message? And some of you might say, time out there, Ricardo. I know that my church has a message, and I know our lead pastor Ed has a message, and preacher types, and leaders, and all that. You know, Ed leading like a boss, and and uh, slinging truth every Sunday morning like he was born to do it, which, by the way, he was. So it's obvious that Ed has a message. It's obvious that my church has a message. But are you saying, I don't do... I personally really have a message, and my response is, I think you do. We all do. We have, there's a message through our lives that God wants to put out there to the world. He wants to reach people in our world with the message through our lives. And uh, some of us might go, well, now, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about the whole talking and telling the message and there are parts of my life and my you know my history they're a little bit embarrassing and I, I don't know if I can do that and, and, and by the way if if I do have a message and if I were ever to tell it would anybody understand it would anybody uh, listen would anybody care well what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a story of a man in the New Testament scripture who met Jesus and if we take a look at how things played out for him in that interaction with Jesus then I think we're going to be able to learn and discover what is possible and I think we'll be able to find our message so the story takes place in the New Testament book of Mark the first four books of the New Testament were written by four guys Matthew Mark Luke John Paul George and Ringo and no. That's a joke, because Ringo's not a Bible name. And yes, we joke we, we talk about the Beatles in church. And there are young people here with strange looks on their faces, like, who is that? For the love of what's holy, somebody teach these children about the Beatles. Crying out loud. But seriously, the fourth the the four first the first four books in the New Testament were a collection of stories about Jesus as he traveled, taught, ministered, prayed for people, blessed people, did miracles. And these were eyewitness accounts that were recorded in these stories. And then the second of those books, the book of Mark, we're going to read this story about a guy who had a disease. And it was a disease called leprosy. It, It it's still a disease, and it's still called leprosy to this day. And back in that day, in the ancient world, it was, it was a problem. It was a huge. Problem. It was like a death sentence because of the lack of uh, medical advancements at the time. And so, uh, so when, you, when you look at the Scriptures, whenever it talks in, in, in these stories, when it tells about somebody who had leprosy, there's a little footnote in, uh, on the bottom of your Bible page sometimes. Have a little asterisk by the word leprosy. And then now at the bottom it says, leprosy is a term used to describe a kind of a wide range of skin diseases that existed at the time. And so we're going to look at a story of a guy who had leprosy. We don't know exactly where he fell on that scale of leprosy. It could be, it could be just a skin condition or its worst, most developed, and most deadly forms Leprosy, I mean, literally fingers and, and stuff would be falling off people. It was just really bad. And, and your body just literally began to disintegrate. So this is, this, somewhere on that scale is where this guy was when he had this interaction with Jesus. And so, as I said, we're going to immerse ourselves in this story. We're going to pick it apart. We're going to see what we can learn from it. And I really think when we round out at the end, we'll see, we'll be able to find what our message is. So this story, as I said, found in the book of Mark, the very first chapter of the book of Mark. It's written uh, down, these verses are written down in the worship guide that you received when you came in, but also we'll see them on the screen. So let's take a look. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40. And it said, a leper came to him, referring to Jesus. A leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41 says, and moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be clean. Now, we'll talk about the rest of that story. There's a handful more verses that we'll get to here in just a little bit. But for now, I just want to jump into uh, this story, and I want to point out the first thing that we learn about this interaction and my, yes, my name is Captain Obvious. It says, the leper came to Jesus. So that's literally the first thing we're going to talk about. He, the leper, came to Jesus. Uh, that, that's, that's what we're talking about. Now, that may not seem like a very big deal, but you have to realize that this, the disease of leprosy was not just an almost always death, eventual death, death sentence for the person that had leprosy, but also it required the person, because it was highly contagious, it required the person to be uh, quarantined, basically. Had to live in a colony outside the the, the, the cities. And, uh, and, and any time they walked into a, a public area or approached a building or walked down a street where others were going to potentially interact with them, they literally had to yell the word, unclean, unclean. This was, this was announcing their arrival. They're saying, basically, I'm unclean. You do not want to be around me. You, I am dangerous to you. I'm dangerous to you physically. And even in the religious ritual law that, that existed at the time, which was super legalistic and kind of out of control, um, people thought that being around a, a leper would actually damage you religiously you know that it wasn't just about keep away from the physical disease just don't be around that bad leprosy mojo or what it was whatever but the point is is that they had to yell unclean before they even walked in so this is the social barrier that this guy crossed by coming to Jesus he came to Jesus simple phrase but a really big deal and so it took just amazing courage the guts, the moxie, the unbelievable, I mean, and I can tell by your faces that you're really moved by his courage. You're just like, <laughs> whoopity-doo. <laughs> yay, leper, yay. You know, good for you, buddy, whatever. How does that relate to me? What does that have to do with me? Well, here, here's what it has to, here's, the, I think that we are more like, we have more in common with this leper guy than We realize. And here's how. I believe that life, in general, and a lot of times in in real specific situations, I believe that life has a tendency to pull us towards isolation and the fear of being vulnerable. That's what I think happens in life. We get a little older. We have some experiences. Maybe we get a little hurt, maybe we hurt other people, maybe we get scared about stuff, we get insecure, we don't know if our needs are going to get met, we get all relationally jacked up, and we just come to the conclusion that it is safer to just kind of withdraw. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody needs, people don't need to know like the real me or who who I really am. So life tends to pull us towards isolation and a fear of vulnerability. Now, if you look at this guy, obviously he had a literal, I mean, his reason for being isolated was visible and tangible and physical sickness, immense, crazy sickness. And for us, the things that cause us to want to isolate and that makes us afraid to be genuine and vulnerable with people, you usually can't see that stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's more internal. It's like in the mind. It's, in, it's inside. It's in our heart, you know, in our spirits. And, uh, and, and so what we end up deciding is that it is safer for our own safety maybe even for the safety of others. What we're going to do is we're going to... I'm going to isolate. I'm going to keep people at a distance as opposed to allowing people to know me for who I really am. And this happened to me. I mean, this, this is really a big part of my story. I don't know if you can relate to this, but over the years, I became, a, I became really good at wearing masks. All right, kind of hiding what I was really going through or what uh, my, my real true self was, hiding behind a mask that I thought might be a little more palatable and a little more relatable to the people around me. thought it might protect me from anybody that might want to hurt me. But one of the big reasons that I wore masks, and I, I've shared part of my story with you guys before. One of the things that isolated me the most was the fact that all my adult life I've, I battled, I, I fought this battle um, against a problem that I never wanted to admit to anybody, and I never wanted to admit it. in, you know, even when sometimes today when I say it, the people I go hear it go, "Well, that's what, that's just a, th- that's just a thing. Every every guy battles that. That's a that's a thing that everybody deals with. Some well, ladies, men, everybody." and but, but my problem was is like i didn't have any control over my habits when it came to lustful thoughts and uh, and, and and pornography and so i'm sorry i don't mean to make anybody comfortable uncomfortable but it just is what it is i mean that's that's the way things were for me it became this uh you know, almost a medication it it it, it, it kind of became an addiction to the point where Um, I couldn't break out of the habit, and I was a good Christian guy. I mean, I I started my faith life when I was a little kid, so I had genuine, real stuff going on between me and God. Good, you know, good connection, and it seemed so weird that I had this problem along with my faith, and I loved my family, and I liked... I was a church guy. I as a leader a minister it was just oh man it seemed so wrong and and i didn't know how to talk to anybody about it and so i decided to withdraw and to fight that battle in secrecy and try to do better and try but i never could break out of it see if you think about this fellow that we are looking at the story of this this sickness that he had that was super obvious that caused him to have to be isolated and withdrawn from society. It seems very different between my isolation, because I was such a people person. I mean, obviously, I'm super charming, right? And and people love me. And uh, I don't know, I'm just this people person, bubbly, whatever, you know. But no, even though I had tons of friends, I don't know that I had real... Intimacy in uh, connection and relationship with people that even were supposed to be close to me because there was if you ever got close enough to see the real truth, I would freak out. I became a good mask wearer i I would read a situation, read a room, read a uh, scenario, a role that I was playing, a position that I held, a meeting that I was at, whatever, even just quick interactions with people. And I would think that somehow I had this mechanism that said okay what which Richard would perform best in this situation?" and then when I figured that out, then I would grab that mask and I would be Church Richard Church Richard was awesome and and everybody thought Church Richard was fine and and then I'd get home from church and I'd take Church Richard off and pass uh, mask off, and then I'd put whatever. Uh, Braves fan Richard which was very sad all the time and but seriously you know I mean dad Richard husband Richard uh whatever and and what what eventually happened is I couldn't really tell if I was genuinely connecting on a meaningful level with anybody including the Lord in prayer got to the point where I didn't know where the mask ended and the Richard started I was like where I don't even know I don't even know who I am anywhere anymore, and I know that sounds super Doctor Phil, but this is what this is where my life was. Plus, I had this secret that was causing destruction in my habits, in my patterns, it, to the point where, uh, when all my secrets came out, I lost everything. I, I mean, literally. That's not a, a, a figure of speech. I literally lost everything, and my my life turned upside down because. Because now all my truth was out, and nobody knew, and, and, and everybody was hurt, and I just blew up over everybody. So here I am at that time in my life, and I have a decision to make. Am I going to continue to isolate, or am I going to find a way to connect, to open up, to reach out? So when I read a simple phrase like a leper, a physical leper came to Jesus, it's like I read it different. And I don't know if that sounds weird, but I think of my internal disease, if you will. I, I, I think of my internal messed upness. And I say, if that leper could come to Jesus, maybe I can genuinely, really, and finally come to Jesus. Maybe I can do that. And so I propose that we all have that decision to make. We have the decision to make regularly, consistently, and perpetually. Is Are we, with whatever is flawed and broken and messed up, are we going to come to Jesus? Or at any point in our faith journey, are we going to prefer to grab a mask and say, everything's okay? Or are we going to leave the mask behind and we're going to say, I have a problem. I have to go to Jesus. I have a problem. I was talking to a friend who was at the driving range this week, right? Golfing in that heat. I'm sorry. I like to golf. It's not going to happen for me. But anyway, he was out at the driving range. I see him afterwards. I said, how did it go? And he was going, his, his name's Evan, and he was, he's kind of learning the game. And he says, you know something I've learned about golf? He said, it, it may be the only sport it is painfully obvious so quickly that the problem is me. I am the problem. I cannot... He didn't throw it right or they didn't... You know, that was a bad call or, you know, that, the ump blew the call. You know, I'm the problem because I can't swing this thing and hit that ball. So that's the decision we all have to make. Are we, are we ready to say, here's my truth And this is my problem. And I decided a long time ago that I was going to try to find a community of people that could help me be real and stay real about the stuff in my life. So I do that. I do that every Tuesday night regardless of what, well, unless it's Christmas or something. I mean, we're even meeting this Tuesday night before 4th of July. It's crazy. But we, I meet with a group of guys that sit around every Tuesday night and we, and we remind a- each other that we don't have to hide and we don't have to wear the mask and we can risk being known for who we really are. And that's what it means to me when I see that a leper went to Jesus. I know that if he could, then I can and I try and I do. And I encourage you, find a place you can go in your faith, in your relationship with the Lord, and in your community where you can be real and you can drop the mask and you can say, I'm the problem and here's what it looks like. That's what this guy did. What did he do when he came to Jesus? Another super deep thought. He asked for help. He asked for help. Also very simple, but... How isn't it amazing how hard it is for us to ask for help? Is there anybody else? It's hard for you to ask for help. Talk to me. Thank you for being there for me in this moment because I'm being very vulnerable to you. But I just it's more. I prefer to fix the problem. I prefer to act to sound like I know what I'm doing, and as opposed to asking for help. That's what this leper did, and that's what I have decided to do is to just constantly ask for help to constantly seek because i'm tired of pretending you know what the leopard didn't do you remember remember at the beginning we talked about leprosy and it could be according to this actual definition with the words we're reading in the sacred text it could have been referring to any uh level on the scale of leprosy it could be early on could be later on i don't know we don't know but you know what is cool is that this leper didn't come to Jesus and say, "Jesus, uh, I'm on the leprosy spectrum. You know, I'm uh, I'm worse than some, but I'm better than most, and I uh, could use a little assistance with my problem." Um, what do you say? No, he didn't. He didn't come. He didn't try to. He didn't try to justify anything. He didn't try to defend or protect himself. He just said. I have a problem and I need help. And I just got, in my life, I got so tired of trying to scale myself or, or, or grade myself on the curve of, of where, look, addiction is about managing pain, all right? And I was just exhausted from trying to manage pain and unpleasantness because pain and unpleasantness are everywhere in life. And I got tired of trying to manage it and control it and make it better on my own. I I got to the point where I'm just like, I need help. The problem is me, and there are things in my story that I can't change. So I need help. And I'm not gonna talk, I don't care where I fall on the spot. All I know is that I need saving. And so that's what this guy shows us is that he needed saving. And that's all he asked for. That's what he asked for. And I love Jesus' response. In fact, let's, uh, let's read the scripture again about how Jesus responded to him. In verse 41, it says, Jesus was moved with pity or compassion. And he stretched out his hand and touched him. Which, by the way, was a no-no. Because you wouldn't touch a leprous person for fear of getting the disease. So Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. You'll remember that was the statement the, that, the, uh, that the leper said. Are you, if you're willing, you could make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus Obviously, Jesus made him clean. That's what happened. Jesus made him clean. And I love that Jesus r- jumped right in super fast and said, um, and said I want to clear something up for you, young man. I am willing. Because the dude had a question. He wasn't sure. He kind of knew from the stories he had heard about this traveling prophet that he probably had the ability to bring, you know, to do some healing or do a miracle. But it sounds like that the leper's biggest concern was, would he be willing to do that for me? And I don't know why, specifically the leper might have wondered that. Probably, is he going to be willing to even stand next to me? Would he touch me? You know, all of that. But um, like for me... When I come to God or a friend for help, I often expect like anger or disappointment or coldness. And, and, and when, I, when I realize that, I go, dude, I believe that God is just mad at me. I love that Jesus didn't say to the leper who came to to get help jesus didn't say well it's about dad gum time you leper i'm not sure jesus would say dad gum what do we think paul if he was a southern jewish person yeah so jesus didn't jesus didn't react coldly god is not unmoved by what we're going through. In fact, he's, he's probably the most moved by what we're dealing with. He had compassion on this guy. Jesus had compassion and pity. And he made it very clear to him, I am willing. And then, of course, we see the cool result, which was a, a straight-up, shown of praise-Jesus miracle. But I love that he answered probably the more important, eternal kind of question for this guy by saying, I am am willing, I am willing, so I would like to say that i, I don 't know what faith questions you might be wrestling with today, but I know in my mind that the cycle of faith questions sometimes takes me into some of my pain and some of my f- failures and some of my disappointments, and so I start projecting that on God. And I'm starting to think, is there hope for me? And what I want to say to us, and we learn it from this story, is that with Jesus, the answer is always yes. The answer is yes. Is there hope for me? Yes. Is there still hope for me? Is there hope for me again? Yes. Can I come home? Can I come back to you after, after all I've done? Yes. Can I still matter to you, Lord? To somebody else that I love? The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. Jesus is willing. But this leper didn't find out Jesus was willing until he took the gutsy step of coming to him and then asking him for help without pretense, without judgment, without, um, without defending or protecting himself. He just said, I need help. And Jesus says, awesome. That's why I'm here. And the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. So maybe today you came in with questions. And the Lord wants you to know he's willing. He's willing right now, today, to touch that problem in your life in real time and start making a difference in what you're going through and what you're experiencing. That's good news, right? Very, very good news. Jesus made this guy clean. And the best news of all is he was willing, he was willing to do it. Now we'll come back to this story, uh, this part of the story here in just a a minute, but I want to kind of press through a couple of other things there's one more thing that we learn from picking apart this guy's story and it's the idea it's almost like a, a a mandate for us it's what he did he spread the word he spread the word he got the word out about what had just happened now we're going to read these next few verses like like three verses And it might seem a little weird and a little odd and almost like contradicting. But let's just walk through it and and we'll talk about it. So after the healing, when he was made clean, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them, the priest's. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This seems kind of odd, right? That Jesus would do this miracle and then he would tell the guy, I don't want you to tell anybody. I mean, that sounds backwards to me. Don't freak. Don't panic. This is just a thing. I mean... Uh, Jesus actually said this on a number of occasions to a couple of other people. He said it to other people that he healed. He's like, hey, don't spread. Keep this on the, on the hush-hush because it's not time for this word to spread like wildfire just yet. Um, and, and again, it sounds odd to say, but you'll find that in the, in the stories as you read through the, the New Testament. In fact, and this will really freak you out, Jesus did this to his mom once, straight up. Straight up, he and his mo- mother Mary are at a, a wedding reception, and they run out of wine. So uh, Mary wants her son Jesus uh, to whip up a quick little miracle, you know, bail out the, uh, the the family and and keep the party going. And she says, "Can you can you do something about this wine situation? Can you like?" <laughs> she's like, "Can you whip some up for us real quick?" And Jesus goes, "Mother." It's not my time yet. Because he had a, a timetable in his mind of how it was going to go. And he knew as soon as words started spreading about the miracles that folks, you know, who's going to get this huge following and everything. And so he's having this awkward moment with his mom, you know. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to stand there and talk about it and wave at people. Congratulations. Can we talk about this in the cart? Um, so I... I The thing is, is that she eventually put him in a position where he had to do the miracle. And it worked out. It was fine. And this worked out. And it was fine. And basically, when this this leper left and, and started spreading the word, people were blown away by it. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. And crowds were gathering like crazy. And Jesus had to change venues in that area of the several villages that he was traveling through ministering. And where if he wanted to teach and pray and, and heal and do miracles, he basically had to go kind of outside the town because there weren't any houses or buildings big enough for the crowds that were gathering. Jesus knew this. He had wanted to avoid that if possible. Didn't work out. No big deal. But one of the things is about that that is important to note is that Jesus was never all about big building this huge crowd. Now, crowds obviously showed up like they did in this story a number of other times as Jesus traveled and ministered. But Jesus was not about the big crowds. And Ed was telling us last week in teaching that Jesus wasn't looking to create this huge crowd of fans. He wanted devoted followers, and he still does, still wants us to be devoted followers. So really the question becomes, are we... It, when we think about this thing where Jesus is saying, hey, don't talk about it. it the, the point is, are we looking for Jesus to put on a show in our life? or we want, hey, Jesus, heal me up, you know, so I can get my life back and so I can get all, you know, so I can be a superstar with an amazing story? Or are we? J- do we just want Jesus to make us, to change us, to make us a different person? Do we want Jesus to make a difference in who we are as people, Or do we just want to be part of the show? And I think that's what we learned there. Now, this guy, I think he had a good heart, and he probably went and did the religious thing, showing himself to the priest, and, and that was also evidence that Jesus had done this miracle. But the bottom line is he shared his story. He spread the word, and when he did that, people started coming to check out the Jesus thing. And we believe at my church that if we will tell our stories as imperfect and incomplete, and in process that they might be. If we could tell our stories to the people in our lives, it will give them a more legitimate shot of coming towards, moving towards the Lord and checking out the claims of who Christ is and see if Christ might do something big in their life. So what? that's the point. That's why looking at this story will actually show us where to, how to find our message. Because I'm going to tell you, what our message is. Are you ready? I mean, are you really ready to hear our message? Are you? Thank you. Thank you. Everybody else bailed on me there, but you were there for me. Thank you. Here's, here's your message. I came to Christ. I asked for help. And Jesus is changing me that 's it that 's your story and if we will be faithful if we will tell that story, people will have a legitimate shot at checking out the claims of Christ. It could happen it could happen in your family, it could happen with coworkers, teammates, classmates, friends, neighbors, family members this this could be us, we could be like that guy, and they would come it says. Says eventually people were coming to him. The old Bible phrase from all quarters. I want people to be coming towards Christ, to be moving towards faith from all sectors of my life. That's what that's my goal, and that's what I hope my story will do. I got a really cool verse I want to share with you before we kind of surround the home stretch and uh, and bring this this thing in. It's found in the book of First Peter. Now, I'm going to put the verse on the screen, and I just want to tell you a cool story because it says on the screen, it says, it says 2 Peter. There's, in the New Testament, there's 1 Peter and 2 Peter. So I, I made a, a typo, and I put 2 Peter 2.10. It's actually 1 Peter 2.10, okay? Um, and I, it's embarrassing, but I'm being vulnerable. No, the, the funny thing is, is that 2 Peter 2.10 talks about false teachers, <laughs> So it's a funny story, aside from the heresy part. So, but here's the deal. This verse, this verse uh, shows us what, it kind of illustrates our, our story, like I just said, that I came to Christ, I asked for his help, and Jesus is changing me. This, is, this puts it in scriptures now. I, I put the underline and the italics because Peter, when he wrote it, he probably didn't use those keys. But its I, I just wanted you to know. It says this straight up from the Bible. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So if anybody ever asked you, how does this Jesus change in your life? How does that work? How does that look? What does that mean? Well, it's hard to explain it hundred percent, but it really boils down to a once and a but now. Once and but now. So, like the verse said, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now You have received mercy. This stuff is all through the New Testament. If you go to your Bible app and you you search once but now, you'll see all these verses. They're amazing. They say things like, once you were walking in darkness or in deep darkness, but now the light of Christ has shone in your life. That's a cool verse. There's one that says, once you were a slave to fear, but now... You're a child of God. There's one, my, my absolute favorite is where it says, once you were far away from God, but now, because of His mercy, He has drawn you near. That is the best news ever. Once, but now. So we tell our story. We tell it. And we don't have to be perfect. And our story doesn't even have to have the, uh, the absolute happy ending yet. We don't even have to know all the answers. My story, still tons of question marks. But there's been some amazing stuff that God has done. Just because I came to Him and I asked for help and He's making a change in me. With that thought in mind about the change in me, I want to bring back one more thought from the story. And I'm going to tell you an amazing story that will shock you and then we'll end and we'll all go home or we'll go eat lunch. Is that good? Not all together because that would be weird. <laughs> so, the guy came to Jesus and the and it literally says that Jesus made him clean. And you remember that his thing was that when he went out in public he had to say the word I am unclean. It was an identifier. It was a it was a badge on his life, so to speak. I am unclean. And it says Jesus made him clean. And this is what I want. This is what I need in my life. Yeah, I would love it for Jesus to touch the weird, messed up parts of my life and magically, immediately, miraculously make them less, suddenly not dysfunctional. I want that. But what if it doesn't happen that way or that quickly or in exactly the way I want it to? You know what i found? Is that he can make me, even if that situation doesn't change. He can make me change. He can make me different. And I get healthier, and that's a win. So the guy is coming to Jesus. At some point before he walks up to Jesus, he has to holler unclean. Jesus makes him clean. He takes the thing that identified him before, and he strips it away and says, "You are now clean." This is the good, the best news of our story, is that it's not just about fixing the stuff in our life. Is that He wants to re-label you. He wants to re-identify us as clean, as His, and then, and to. to illustrate this. I'm going to tell you what happened a few months ago. Rhonda and I, my wife Rhonda and I just recently married two years. That's right, two years. I'm going to stay here till you clap for Rhonda. Thank you. So it's, it's towards bedtime. We're getting ready to crash. We're talking about something. I can't even remember the topic. She's asked me a question about something. And she says the phrase, hey, what's the deal? And because I often walk around trying to be clever and cute and funny. I know you're shocked by that. I said to her, my response to her, instead of answering her question, I said, what's the deal, Lucille? Because I thought that was cute. Obviously, I was mistaken. It's very, It was quite lame. But I said it anyway. And her response to me was, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. To which I responded, how dare you? Now, for those of you who don't know, there was a country music song in from the, in the 70s, which is where I'm from, and it was by a guy named Kenny Rogers. And it was called... It was a horribly sad and depressing song called You Picked a Fine Time to Leave Me Lucille. The worst part about the song is that it will get embedded in your brain. I mean, it'll get stuck in your head worse than a happy song by that Pharrell whatever his name is. And within minutes... We're both singing this stupid song. So I just could not believe this. And I'm like, we're about to go to sleep. We're going we're gonna to dream about this stupid Kenny Rogers song. So I said, we've got to find a worship song. So I'm scrolling through you. I find a worship song. We're going to turn, we turn off the lights and we fall asleep. or we, We're going to fall asleep. last thing we hear is going to be this worship song. And what we, what we do, it ter- turns out to be the song that we sang earlier called... I am who you say I am. Well, not a great song. Didn't they crush that song? We're actually going to sing it again here in just a second. So anyway, we listen, we, we fall asleep listening to I am who you say I am, and it, said, it repeats it like over and over again, but it's good because it exercised the demons of that country music lyric <laughs> out of our minds, and we were able to get to sleep without any undue influence from kenny rogers so the next morning i wake up and guess what i'm humming i am who you say i am man i was loving it i'm thinking i am who god says i am and that thought as soon as i woke up reminded me of another story that happened to me and that's how i roll i tell one story to tell another so several years ago i'm living in birmingham alabama and it's before I moved here, and I'm driving home from church one Sunday. I had a great Sunday, awesome Sunday, worship, great connecting time with the Lord. And uh, But I'm driving home, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what thought triggered it, but something got me thinking depressing thoughts. I started thinking about it because at this time, you know, I'd been divorced for a few years. Um, my children lived in Virginia, and I lived in Alabama. I felt like a total loser, failure in every aspect of my life, and um, and I, even though I had a great morning at church that Sunday, it triggered it, and I just, by the time I'd driven just a few more miles towards my home, I'm, you know, I'm white knuckling, I'm squeezing the steering wheel because I'm so angry at myself, and I am calling myself every name you can think of. I am calling myself loser. I'm calling myself all the... All the labels that I put on myself, I'm re- I'm refreshing words and labels and names that I had been told by others that had reacted in, in, in the way I had hurt them and it made them, you know, say some... I mean, So I'm just listing them. I'm like, failure. Can't, you know, can't be trusted. Liar. Toxic. A waste. I mean, I'm just... And I'm thinking about these names, and I'm just naming myself, and I'm just angry. And as I'm driving on the interstate in Birmingham, I get a text. Minutes later, I'm pumping gas before I get home, and I read the text. It is a text that comes to me from a family friend who is now living in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Now, they're several hours or a couple hours behind us. So she was actually sitting in church at the moment that she texted me. So she's, during the sermon in church, she's texting. That's pretty cool. I know you would never do that to me or Ed, but I'm just saying. So she was, she was in Colorado, and she texts me, and she says, she said, Richard, I'm sitting in church, and my pastor is preaching from Isaiah chapter 62. And he gets to verse 2 of Isaiah 62, and he read it, and I immediately thought of you. And I thought, man, that's for Richard. I'm going to send him that verse right now. And Isaiah 62, 2 says, And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And I am telling you, I freaked. I am, I'm pumping gas. I lose it, man. I'm crying. I'm like, that got me. I mean, you know, down in this area. I mean, it was deep. That hit my heart that God heard me naming myself based on my own fears and my own failures and my own experience and the pain of other people who had named me. And He interfered, intervened right then. And He sent the word to me, I've got names for you. And that, I, I just... And because of that thing with that song that night just a few months ago, the Lord reminded me of that. And, and I, actually have a, uh, I actually have what she wrote to me. She, she texted me the verse, and then she said, Hang in there, Richard. The Lord is with you. You're going to be okay. Hang in there. The Lord is with you. You're going to be okay. So, gentlemen... Ladies, here's the deal. The Lord wants to speak to us today that he has a new name for you. He has new names designed, picked out just for you. And it doesn't matter who called you or named you what in the past. It doesn't matter what you name yourself. Got what he deserved. She'll never change. Can't hold a job. Always picks the wrong guy. Always picks the wrong girl. Unlucky in love. Won't ever be trusted. Will never come home. Whatever the name is. Whatever you're hearing in your mind and your heart right now, of the things that you've been labeled and tagged with over your life, God is, God is saying this morning, today, I have a new name for you. And it's a name that I'm going to give you. And I am re-identifying you. Whatever you had to say to defend or protect yourself... That's like those guys hollering unclean. You don't have to say that anymore. You can take the new name that God has for you. That's good news. And maybe today is the day that in your heart you're sitting here going, I want to come home. I want to come back to God. I didn't know I could. I didn't know if He was willing to take me. I don't know if I'm beyond help, but I want to come home. I want to come back, and maybe that's you in your heart. We're going to pray in just a minute, and we're going to have a moment of worship with God where you can embrace what He wants to do and then receive the new name He has for you. Maybe today is your day to say, I've never had a relationship with God. I want to kick-start my faith journey. I need forgiveness. I've never had the name forgiven. I've always been separated from God. Far away from God He wants to bring you back He wants to bring you home He wants to be Jesus wants to be your leader and your forgiver Please bow your heads with me as we pray Father We come to you today And we ask you Draw us into you Draw us into you If today is your day And you want to make ask Jesus To become the leader and forgiver of your life Just pray this prayer Silently or under your breath with me as I pray it. Say, Father in heaven, I need forgiveness. I come to you. Jesus, be my leader and forgiver. Maybe today you want to come home. Maybe you've been far away from, or you've strayed from your faith. Just call out to him right now and say, Father, I want to come home. I want to come home If you're willing, take me back. And his answer is yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me. I'm going to invite our host teams to come down front. We're going to close by receiving an offering. If you're a guest here today, don't let this feel weird or awkward. It's just a way we worship the Lord. So, uh, So no pressure, you know what I'm saying? But as, we, as, we, as the buckets go through, if you made a faith step today, you asked Jesus to be your leader forgiver, you decided to come home, to return to your faith, indicate that on that uh, connection card that Ed was talking about before. Just put a little check mark by that. Or write something down in the notes section. Just let us know. We just want to pray for you. That's all. We want to journey with you if, you, if you if you'd like that. But today, let's open our hearts To receive the new name that the Lord gives us. Because when we tell our story, people are going to go, I want that new name too. If your God can change you, if Christ can rename you and make you clean, maybe He can make me clean. So let's take this name, receive it as we worship, and let's go tell our stories.